How you guys doing today? Good, good. Nice. Um, sleepy? Yeah. Just to add on to what Jeff was saying about COD, um, and I was... Not Call of Duty. That's good stuff too, but not that. Um, I was 19 when I got saved, coming to this church, and uh, I know... If I didn't get into COD at that age, you know, I would have wasted my life, like he was saying. You know, I would have been miserable. I would have been doing just whatever I want, you know. Even if I found, if I found structure someone else, that would have been structure without purpose. That wasn't fulfilling. Um, so, you know, you guys that are graduating, I do just, you know, urge you guys to, to jump on that, you know, not to, to waste your time with, uh, just doing whatever after high school. All right. If, uh, if I'm, like, swaying up here at all, like this, it's because we just got back from a retreat in, uh, in Arkansas, and we, like, had worship for, like, three hours, so, like, my body's kind of just stuck doing this. I can't help it. It's weird. I was just standing in the back with no music going, and I was just, I was like, why am I doing this? This is, what's going on right now? Exactly, yeah. All right, so we're going to be uh, Nehemiah today, Nehemiah chapter one, the whole chapter, so if you guys want to go there, we're not, no slides today, so you guys got to read along with me. Um, we're going to just talk about the context of Nehemiah, just to give you guys an idea of what's happening right now. So uh, the book of Nehemiah, uh, it opens in the Persian winter capital of Shushan, in Persia, in the year 444 B.C. So it's just 440 years, 444 years before the birth of Christ, before his, his ministry. Um, uh, Nehemiah is a, a Jew in exile, and he approaches the Persian, Persian king and receives permission to travel back to his homeland uh, to lead the last of three returns uh, by the Jewish people following their years of captivity. So they've been in captivity for a while now, and he's about to lead trips back to Jerusalem to build the walls and the gates. Uh, so the previous book, Ezra, describes um, the building of the temple. So the temple has been built, um, but after that, um, you know, they, they faced some discouragement. They faced uh, a lot of trial, and it left them discouraged, and they didn't continue on from that point. Um, but since that point, 90 years has passed since the returning uh, exiles had arrived at Jerusalem. Um, but yeah, the temple has been rebuilt, um, but Jerusalem just lays in ruins right now. Um, so that, you know, they have a place of worship set up. You know, they have that there, but there's things hindering that worship because they don't have their walls and they don't have their gates built. They're burned down and, and broken down, and it's hindering their worship. Um, so let's, uh, let's jump into the passage. Uh, Nehemiah 1 through 3. I'm just calling that the condition. So the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction. And reproach in the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. So just right out of the bat, when these guys come to Nehemiah, his brethren, he, he asks what's going on. Like, what is the state of Jerusalem? What is the state of the people? And, you know, that makes me think, like, do we ask that question? Do we want to know how people are doing? Whether it's the people in our schools that are lost, are we coming to them and asking them, like, how are you doing? Like, what, what, what is the state? Like, what, what are you, you're not going to say, what state are you in? Like, what's your spiritual state? But are we asking questions to figure out, like, 
Where are they at? Do, do they know the Lord? Are they close? Are they far? You know, are we looking to ask those questions? Or if it's people in here, people you're close with, you know? Like, we can have very surface-level relationships, but are we asking one another how we're really doing? Like, are we far off from the Lord? Are we just going about our days just doing whatever we want, you know? Are we intentional to get to know one another and to, to draw one another closer to Christ? Um, and then, you know, do, are we asking ourselves, like... Nehemiah was asking his brethren how they're doing, like, what's, what's going on? What, what is the state? But do we, you know, do we ask ourselves? Are we being real with ourselves and wondering, like, you know, are we just being real? You know, because we can deceive ourselves and think that we're doing great and that we're, you know, we're close to the Lord, but really, you know, we're just doing whatever we want, you know? Like, let's not deceive ourselves and be real and um, acknowledge the Lord where, where he wants to meet us. Um. So, you know, often I think we don't ask ourselves or ask those questions, like how are these people doing? Are you meeting people where they're at? Because, you know, we're just so focused on ourselves. You know, we're too busy, you know, thinking about our status. We're too busy thinking about our comfortability to, you know, to get real with people and, and meet them where they're at and ask them. Um, and then we, we really need just Nehemiah's heart. We need God's heart for people. You know, God is not willing that any would perish. He wants the people in your classrooms to be saved. And he wants, you know, everyone in here to, to be growing in their relationship with the Lord. And we need, we need God's heart. You know, we need, to be, we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and fixed on the people around us. And, you know, and when you do that, when you get your eyes off of yourself, you know, the issues that you're having, they're not going to be as big. You know, when you, when you get your eyes off, off of yourself, you're not focusing on those things. You focus on the Lord and on people. And you're, you're not going to be, you know struggling with all the things you're struggling with because, you know, man, you're focused on the Lord and he, he's guiding you and he's, he's leading you and you're too busy. You know, when you're ministering to people, you're too busy to, to be thinking about like, oh man, I don't have this thing. I don't have that thing. And the Lord's got you. And what he has is so much sweeter than, than anything, you know, you're struggling with or you want or you do have and you're not satisfied with, you know. Um, but yeah, we see in, uh, in verse 3, that the people are in great affliction, and they're in reproach, which means they're in shame. And they get to this place because of, of their sin. You know, they're in this, this place where the, the, it says the, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. That, that's why they're in shame. It's because the sin has brought them to ruin, and it just leaves them in a place where they can be afflicted, and they're, they're in reproach. Um, so, you know, what, what does it mean, like it says in verse 2, or uh, verse 3, what does it mean, you know, for their walls and their gates to be broken down, be burned with fire? You know, it, it means that they're vulnerable. You know, if this is a city that has enemies, you know, and they, they don't have their walls, they don't have gates from stopping things coming in and out, they're vulnerable to attack, right? Like anything can come in and out. There's nothing stopping their enemies, nothing stopping any of that. It's, it's, they don't have any protection. And so, you know, how, how does this relate to us? Proverbs twenty five twenty eight says that he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is down and without walls. And so this, this looks a lot like Jerusalem, right? Proverbs is pretty much just describing Jerusalem. Their walls are broken down and their gates are broken down. And it's likening that to a person that does not have rule over their spirit. So just like the city doesn't have anything stopping things from coming in and out, we can be that same way. We can have no rule over our spirit. That means, you know, think about it, like the word rule. Like a, a king rules over his subjects. He rules over, you know, the place that he is 
uh, over, and that can be the same things with our bodies and our, and our spirits. If we don't have rule over it, then anything can just come into our mind, and you know we're going to act on that. We're like, man, I want ice cream. If I don't, you know, and I'm and I'm on a diet, and I'm I don't have rule over my spirit, I'm gonna be like, okay, I'm thinking about ice cream now. I'm gonna go get that ice cream, you know. Or it could be like if you have a problem with like buying shoes all the time. I used to, and I stopped buying shoes because it's expensive. But you know that, that's the same with anything. We cannot have rule over our spirits, and just one thought comes into our mind, and you think about it for a little bit, and you're like, maybe I shouldn't do this. But then you just go and do it anyways, you know? And uh, that's the state of the lost for sure. Like, you know, maybe like, maybe the lost has grown up with, some lost people in your schools have grown up with some, you know, decent values their parents instilled in them. But, you know, like the weekend comes and they have friends that are inviting them to a party and they're like, maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, maybe this isn't actually good for me. But they don't have, they definitely don't have any walls or protection. They don't have the Holy Spirit residing in them to, to remind them of, of what they heard because, you know, they haven't heard truth. That's definitely the, the state of the lost. And, and we're going to see that Nehemiah is broken for his people, and, and we need to get broken for the lost because, man, they're, they're without any protection at all. But the, but the same can be true of ourselves. If we don't have any walls built up because we haven't spent time, you know, in God's word, we haven't <coughs> allowed people to invest in us, we can be in that same place. We can be without protection. And so, man, for, for COD, for guys that are graduating, girls that are graduating, you need to do that. And if you're in here and you haven't done mentorship, that's something else that you need to do. Like, God wants to use someone to invest the word into your life so that you have these walls built up, so that you are protected, and ultimately that you can glorify God with your life. Because nothing else is, it's not about satisfying yourself, but nothing else is going to please you at the end of the day. That's what is going to bring you joy in your life. Um, I'm totally off of my notes. I just started ranting. Let me see where I'm at. So, in these first three verses, Nehemiah asks, he wants to know what, what's going on. What is the state of Jerusalem? What's the state of his people? He's concerned for them. He's, he's worried. And he, once he hears about it, he, he sees the condition. He knows, like, what's going on. And we're about to see how he responds. So, verse 4, And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. So, and that, that's Nehemiah's response. He hears the words, he, he sits down, he humbles himself, he, he weeps, and he mourns, and he, and he fasts and prays to God. And it says he does that for, for certain days. He doesn't just, you know, hear it, and then pray once. He, he does this for days. And so that makes me think about, like, you know, how do we respond when we hear these things? You know, how do we respond... When maybe like someone in here is struggling with something and, you know, they're having a hard time. Are we, are we broken for that person? Are we, are we hurting over that with them? Are we in that with them? Or, you know, are we, are we careless? Are we apathetic? Um, we, we know Nehemiah's response. Um, but just thinking about a, a few different ways that we could respond to that. Sometimes it's faithlessness, you know. Sometimes we think that, you know, with that person in this class, there's no way they're going to get over that thing, and there's no way that God can, you know, work in this thing. And with, sometimes with the loss, we can, you know, we cannot have faith that this person can get saved. You know, maybe there's someone in your life that, you know, you see how hard their heart is and the things they're doing with their time, and you can think, like, could this person ever get saved, you know? And sometimes what's coupled with that is, is apathy, you know, just, just not caring, you know, because we, we've gotten to a point where we think, you know, God's beyond this. Like, we, he can't do that. And we go to a place of apathy. And, you know, that's not right. 
God is able to do that. And we're going to see, and if you just read this whole book, you see that God is able. He, he, he convinces a Persian king to send, you know, to use his resources to send, to, to build the walls. And it's like, this guy doesn't, you know, what does this guy care about? The, the God of, of like Abraham, of Isaac. What does he care about that God? But he is willing to, to send resources to this place. And that's crazy. Um, but man, I, I think about in my own life, um, times where I've been, you know, just not full of faith for people in my life, or I've become apathetic. And it reminds me of my mom before she passed. When I first got saved, I was preaching the gospel to my mom all the time, and I wanted her to get saved. And she grew up like relatively Catholic. Like she didn't go to the Catholic church, but that, that, that's what she grew up with, so that's what she knew. And so she always thought she had a relationship with God. And when I got saved, I like realized that she believed in being a good person to be right with God. And that was the same thing I believed before I got saved. I was like, compare me to anybody, and I'm probably, you know, like, I'm not Hitler, you know. I'm not, you know, those guys that they make documentaries about on, on Netflix, you know. I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, I, I think me and God are cool, you know. Like, all right, you know. Um, but God showed me, like, man, we're all, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need his grace. Um, and I got saved, and I wanted my mom to get saved, and she was so, like, rooted in that she just needs to be a good person. And so, like, for, for like, months and months and months, and I think, like, two years. I didn't do the math before I did this, so I'm just guessing right now because I can't think too well. I'm on the spot. It was probably, like, two years um, to where I was just preaching the gospel with her. And eventually, like, you know, at, at some points I was just, you know, faithless that it could happen. And... Before she passed, she got this disease that, um, like, deteriorated her frontal lobe and made it to where, like, her cognitive abilities went away. She couldn't speak. She couldn't, eventually couldn't walk on her own. She couldn't do all these things. But before that, at one point, she could just write on a whiteboard, and she could communicate that way. And not, nothing too crazy, but enough to get a point across. And it was at this point that I was hanging out with her one day, and I just felt led to, to share the gospel with her again. I've done it so many times before, and, you know, I've, I've forced it on her, like, trying to share the gospel with her, and I wasn't being led of the Spirit at times. But at this point, I was just like, I feel super led right now to just share the gospel with her again. And I laid it out to her, and um, at this point, she right on a really yes or no. And I asked her, like, can I share the gospel with you again? And she said yes. And, like, the way she said it, she just expression and the disease takes away personality it makes it to where you know like she just doesn't have much expression but yes and she wanted to hear it and so I laid it out to her like the simplest as I, as I could and I used the word to draw like you know you've seen like like the chasm like you got this side we're over here wait so here got this right here so you got this right here and then you got this right here and that's us and then you got the cross that bridges it. And then God over here. I'm not gonna, I don't know how to draw God. That'd probably be too much. But that's what I did. I, I laid it out to her like that and, you know, just made it as simple as possible. And then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give you like an example of just what it looks like to pray. And I told her, you know, you don't have to pray out loud. You can just, just pray in your heart. You can think it, you know, because she couldn't speak. Um... And so I, I prayed, I closed my eyes and opened my eyes. My eyes are still closed for 30 seconds longer, and they eventually open. And she writes on her whiteboard, I just saved. And 
I like, I just fell apart in that moment. I was like bawling all over the place. And I was driving her home and I was like, she's probably so confused right now. <laughs> Why is he crying so hard? Um, but man, like, there were so many times where I was just broken in prayer over my mom. And at some points it got to faithlessness and, and apathy. And then God would remind me, like, he's able to do it, you know, and he saved her. And she's in heaven right now because of that. Um, so just to remind you guys, like, God is able. You know, when we get to points where we, we think a friend is too far, you know, we, we, don't, we get to a point where we don't care, like, that your friend is not too far. Your family member is not too far. Or people in here, you know, who are distant from the Lord, God can get a hold of that person's heart. Um, but uh, other ways we can, you know, we can respond when we hear the state of people, um, we can try not to see it, you know. Like we have a close friend at school, and, you know, like part of you wants that person to get saved. But at the same time, you know, you want to be friends with this person, and you don't want to lose a relationship with them by talking about Christ, right? And, and man, we, we can't do that, you know. Like that person is on their way to hell. And, you know, is it worth maybe not risking the relationship, you know? Like, we need to get in their tracks and stop them and warn them and, and share the good news with them. Um, and that's, that's, Nehemiah's, that's how Nehemiah would respond. He'd get broken for that person. He'd fall all over himself for that person to, to not go to hell. Um, man, so, you know, ha- have you guys, have you cried over a soul? Nehemiah wept for days. Have you guys cried over someone that they would get saved? Have you fasted for them? Have, have, you, have you prayed for them? Um, we need to respond like Nehemiah. We need his heart. We need God's heart. All right, so verse 5, 5 through 11, um, we see Nehemiah's prayer to God. And he said, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for him. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We, and Nehemiah is saying, we have dealt very corruptly against thee. He's entering into this with them, you know. Sure, Nehemiah, like, he, he is he is sinful, and, you know, he is wrong in this area too, but, you know, he's not just praying, like, help this person, you know. Like, Nehemiah is entering into this with them. And, man, we, we need to do the same. You know, we need to see people or that and, you know, someone who's lost. We can't just think, like, you know, I'm saved now. I go to church, you know. I'm a good guy. You know, we have to remember, like, man, we, you were lost at one point, too. And you need to see, like, this person needs God's grace just like you need God's grace. You, you're saved, but, man, you need to, to be broken and to remember, like, you're still walking by grace. Um, but yeah, he says, We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. So Nehemiah is making reference to multiple promises we see in the Bible. There's, there's multiple in Deuteronomy, some in Jeremiah, where God promised that the nation of Israel transgresses against him, not just like one person, you know, like as a whole, they're, they're transgressing against him. God is Israel. 
And um, he's, he's calling back to that, you know, because th- that's where they're at. Like, they have, they, ha- they did transgress, and God did scatter them. They were in captivity. And he's calling back to that promise because it, it's twofold. So they've done this, and the next part says, But if you turn unto me, and, com- and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I've chosen to set my name there. So he's calling back to this promise. You know, we have transgressed, we've been scattered, and he's calling on that promise that we are here, and we want to obey your voice. And, man, that's, that's, that gives me so much hope, you know. Like, I'm not an Israelite or anything. I'm not looking to get back to the promised land or anything. But, man, at times I transgress, and I need to come back to a place where I obey, and God brings me back to a place of and to an intimate relationship with him. And there's never a point where we're going to get to that God, you know, isn't making a way. He doesn't have a way for us to be right with him again. He doesn't have a way for us to be in intimate relationship with him again. And, you know, sometimes we think, like, oh, I messed up so bad, and, you know, God can't use me anymore, you know? And that's like, man, God gets glory out of your weakness, you know, and he wants to, to use you for ministry, for souls. Um, but, man, for, for the lost, like, the, lo- the lost, you know, they've only ever transgressed. They've only ever been apart from God. And, and God has a way for them to be right with him. And that starts with obedience. That starts with repentance and, and salvation. And so, I mean, we need to be full of, of hope that, you know, as the lost people in our lives have only ever transgressed, God has a way for them to come back, you know, to be right with him, to be in, reconcil- to be in a right relationship with him, to be reconciled. You know, I mean, we're, we're all born into sin, and we need to be saved. Um, yeah, so getting close up here and just thinking about what we've talked about. You know, maybe maybe you're struggling right now or, or fighting against God and you know, you need to know that He He wants to be right with you and that there's nothing sweeter than that. Or maybe you've a lost friend you think is too far from God to get saved. And we we talked about God is able to to save that person. God is able to draw that person to him. Or maybe they're you know, they're not walking with the Lord and you are broken. Just know that God is able to, to draw them in. Maybe, you know, it'll take years, you know. Maybe it won't, maybe it will. But, you know, God is, God's infinite, you know. Like, a day to us, you know, might seem like a long day for us, might seem like years, you know. Or a few years, you know, might seem like a long time to us. But that's, that's nothing to God. And we have to know that, man, he, he's patient. And we can trust his time. So I just want to ask a few more questions as I close. You know, are you guys like that city that is broken down without walls? Like, do you in your own life know that, you know, you don't have rule over your own spirit? That, man, that when something comes into your, your mind and your heart, you, you, you struggle with, with not doing that thing. You know, you want to just act on it, whatever it is. You know, if you're tempted by your friends at school or tempted in just your own personal life, you know, like maybe, maybe you need to do mentorship. If you've done mentorship, maybe you just need to, man, be real with people and open up and bring whatever you struggle with into the light. And if, if you're not saved, then, man, you, you're only in that place where you don't have rule over your spirit. Like, maybe you're a disciplined person, but you, you still can't have rule over your spirit. You don't have, you have not been set free from your sin. And if, if that's you, man, you can be set free from your sin today. And, man, you can, you can walk with the Lord. You can have a relationship with God who created you and created the universe. And, 
man, if that's you, I just, just ask that you would really consider that and that you talk to someone after this. Um, and, man, know that when you die, that you know where you're going, you know. But when I was lost, I would always, like, stay up at night and just sit in my bed and just, like, think, like, where am I going to go when I die, you know. And it made it hard for me to fall asleep, like, all the time, you know. And it's crazy. When I, when I first started coming, Brandon would say the same thing. Like, he used to struggle with that same thing. And when I got saved, I was like, man, I, I don't struggle with that at all anymore. I have peace when I go to sleep because I know that I'm secure in God's hands. So I just ask that you guys would really consider and think about that. Um, but, you know, who do you know? If it's not you, who do you know that is, that is like that city that's broken down and their, their gates are, are burned with fire and they, they, they're not protected? Who do you know that's like that? And who, who, do, you, who do you need to get broken over? Like who is in your life that you know is like that, that you need to be broken over? You need to be Nehemiah-like and, and weep over them and mourn and fast and, and pray for them. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs>